Father, as we look to your word, I pray that you would continue to encourage our hearts. Thank you for those that you have brought this morning and that we would all unite our hearts in understanding more clearly what it is that that you would have us to become, that we would become more like your son, Jesus. Thanks for the opportunity to do that together today. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been uh, studying together the book of Galatians. And last week we looked at what Paul was going to say to those Gentile Christians as he led them out of the captivity of idol worship, right? He brought them away from sacrificing to idols and being enslaved, as he put it, to a lifestyle of idol worship. And he was condemning them for listening to these other folks, the Judaizers. And so this other group existed in Galatia, those who were Jews that wanted to enslave them to just another form of worship, another way of life, not necessarily just Jesus. So we have the Gentile Christians in Galatia who were led out of idol worship and brought to faith in Jesus and and understood for the first time what grace and freedom really meant. And then you've got this other group, this Judaizing, this group that had followed a certain tradition since the time of Abraham, and we're going to talk about that today. And they were the Jews, and they said, it's Jesus, yes, plus this behavior. And we've talked about the dangers of both, right? That that there's this before Christ life that most of us understand that, that maybe there were things that were more important than Jesus that were idols to us. And as we have come into contact with Jesus, we've realized... I don't have to be enslaved to that thing, that job, that that lifestyle anymore. I can be free from that because I know God the Father cares about me. He loves me. And He has a plan for what I need to do. And we can live in that. And there are a lot of folks out there that would tell you, that's great that you understand grace. Now you've got to act like this. And Paul says, be careful not to be enslaved to another man-oriented or manufactured way of life. Understand that it's just Jesus. That it begins and ends with grace. That's it. It'll change your heart from the inside out. Who you are becoming will come through in what you do. What you do will never change who you are. Does that make sense? If you never are the person of grace, you will never do them gracefully. You can never do enough to earn grace. And Paul was very concerned about that, so that's why he introduced this line of thinking through chapters 4 here. He talked specifically to the Gentile Christians and said, beware of these folks that are trying to enslave you back into a way of life to earn a religious standing. He turns his gaze now to those of the other group, the Judaizers. Those that would say, Jesus is great, now if you act like this, it's even better. And he turns to them, and he wants to be sure that they know who he's talking to. 
right? And whoever is lumped into this phrase in Galatians chapter 4, verse 21 is where we're going to start. If you're following along on you version, you already see that. And he says, tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. And his son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a divine promise. And you read that and you think, Paul, I have, I have no idea what you're trying to say, man. Right? In our context, that makes no sense necessarily. So you need to understand, and what we're going to do is walk through the story of Abraham and Sarah a little bit. Because this is a story that Paul knew well. Remember, Paul's lifestyle before Jesus, right? He was one of the Judaizers. He was converting by force. He was dragging Christians out of their homes and killing them. That was before Christ Paul, right? That was Saul. After Christ, he says, it's grace and grace alone, and he says it over and over and over, and he wants to be so clear, but he also doesn't lose the knowledge of his former, former life. He was a Pharisee. He understood exactly what the Judaizers were going to do. And he offers this argument to them. So he's talked to the Gentile Christians and says, listen, don't become enslaved again to another lifestyle. Don't try to bake it based on your performance. Just appreciate grace as part of the promise. And that promise was made to Abraham. That his line would change the world and we live in that time today. When Jesus literally separated time and changed our world. He finishes that conversation and turns right to the folks that he's even more familiar with and says, and you, you who want to be under the law, do you not know what the law says? Are you not even reading the law? Like, like he, Paul has this understanding now that he didn't have before. He understands the fulfillment of the law because of Jesus, right? He's not going to throw the law out. He says there's still things that are good and right and true and ways that you will act, but it's as a result of you being changed by grace and mercy. It's reactive. I, because of the grace set before me, because of that, endured the cross. That's what Jesus said. And so it's a response to understanding Jesus that changes our life. We can't change our life first. It doesn't work that way. And so he talks to these Judaizers and says, don't you know what the law says? And he brings up Abraham and Sarah. He's talking to this Jesus plus group, and he uses the very father of their nation as an example. So he takes them very far back in their history, okay? Back to the point in which Abraham was first told, you're going to have a son, he's going to be a great nation, he's going to bless all nations through you. Your lineage will be the one that changes the world. 
And they knew right away, well, yeah, of course, we know that. That's what we're trying to say. you got to be like us. And then Paul reminds them of the story as he goes through it. What you don't maybe remember and what you might not know contextually is how that story fits here. And so, so if you'll allow me to look at what the audience that he's talking to already knew. Okay? We're going to back you up to Genesis chapter 16. All right? Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. These are some of the things that would have been passed down generationally to the folks that were now standing in Galatia. Now Sarah, Abraham's, Abram's wife, this was before God changed Abram and Sarai's name, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And so she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go and sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. And so after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. And when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. First of all, you need to understand, because we understand already in chapter 12 of Genesis that that God told Abraham and Sarah, you will have a child, and he will change the world. So the promise has already been made. They know that. After a few years, they're growing concerned that maybe God has them fix the plan a little, right? So, they look at each other and they say, well, keeping with our customs, right, we need a male heir. We've got to have somebody, as we talked about before, to pass on all that is yours. You can't have offspring to pass things on without a male heir. You can't do it in this culture. And so Sarah comes up with this idea, right, and says, hey, because of the laws of our land, because of keeping with the customs of of man that we have here, We can figure this out. And it all starts with the title of this chapter, if you've been reading along, Grace to the Barren. You see, Sarah had been unable to have children, right? She was barren. At this point, as we read these verses, she's roughly 75 years old. 75 and has borne no children up to this point, and yet God has said, you're going to have a child. And so many of the women are already looking around going, 75? And you're still waiting, right? Sarah had the same thought. I am past the point by which this could actually happen. And so she goes to her husband and says, you know that there's a way that we can fix this. And maybe this, is, maybe this is even what God had in mind, right, Abram? Maybe we can use this man-made system to help God out. And so they do. They execute the plan. They don't wait on the promise of God. That's the first thing, Right? The first thing they don't do is wait. 
And that's one of the most difficult things that we have to contend with in our world, right? The waiting. The believing that we know what we want. We know what we need. And God just hasn't given it to us yet. From Genesis chapter 16, those same thoughts echo, right? All of creation echoes those thoughts. How how long do we wait, O Lord? David echoes those thoughts throughout Psalms, right? Have you forgotten me? (laughs) All of those sentiments here lead them to not wait and say, but Lord, I think I can help. This is a way in which I can help you accomplish what I think is your goal. And so Abraham and Sarah have Hagar step in, intercede, and become the surrogate to Ishmael. And immediately, right, they have already not waited on God, but immediately Hagar becomes pregnant and begins to despise her mistress. So it ruins the relationships when you step outside of what God's will was. Instantly. Says when she knew she was pregnant from the time she conceived till she knew she was pregnant already, she had despised her mistress. It ruined the relationships that they had, and it would continue to, to do this work until they part company. Abram and Sarah didn't wait on what God had promised. That was the first thing that Paul wanted the Judaizers to hear. Do you not remember your very own father, the father of your nation, Abraham? I'm going back to the beginning with you. If you want to go there, I'll go. That's what he's saying to the Judaizers in Galatia. Don't you remember what was promised? And here you are, Ignoring it, right? You're still holding on to your manufactured way of life and saying, Jesus is great, but Jesus plus this way is perfect. Didn't you learn from your very own father, is what he's saying? From the father of your race, the one that the promise was made to. Didn't you learn a lesson? Then in Genesis chapter 17, verses 15 to 19. God also then says to Abram, they've waited some time, and as for Sarai, your wife, they've already had the child Ishmael, and He says to to Abram, you are no longer to call her Sarai, you are now to name her Sarah, and I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. And I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. King of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down and he laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? 
And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. So here Abraham and Sarah are, 14 years later, so Ishmael's about 14 years old, and God again comes to them and says, when they're 90 and 100, listen, you're going to have a son. And, and Abraham kind of laughs and goes, yeah, I know God, I got him Ishmael. Right? He laughed. And he said, if only, he still didn't let it go. He's like, if only Ishmael, my son, hello, <laughs> could live under your blessing. I've already fixed it, God. I got a plan. If only he could live under your blessing. It's all right. It's good. We're good now. And God says, yes. I'll take care of Ishmael, but you're not listening. That I will give Sarah a son and he will be the father of nations. You're going to call him Isaac. He's going to be a king of kings. He's going to bring about the Lord of lords. All of those things are going to happen because I'm going to establish my covenant with Isaac who is yet to come. Abram still was struggling with the idea. And the Judaizers in Galatia, years and years later, generation after generation later, are still struggling with the idea that God's grace, His promise, is enough. That we don't have to add what we think to the plan. That God's plan is better than we could even imagine. We have no idea the, general, the generational effect of what God has in store for our lives. We have no idea what our generations will look like in three, four, five generations from now when, when my great-great-great-great-great-grandson looks back and says, Wow. You used to wear a lot of flannel. <laughs> we don't really have an idea of what that general effect or generational effect might be. Only God does. And Paul firmly sits this right in front of this Jewish community and says, listen, I've already talked to these folks and said, listen, you're falling back into slavery if you listen to these folks. Now you listen. <laughs> Abram didn't get it. You've watched it work out. You've seen Jesus. You know very well He came from the line of Abraham. And you're going to ignore that? You're going to add something to the gospel that God has given to you. You really think you're going to figure it out better than God. Isaac was the one of promise. The everlasting covenant and grace. 
That's the one that God says, I'm going to finish with. That's how I fulfill my covenant with Abram. Isaac, that son, will bear children, and through that line, the world will change. Ishmael. God doesn't say, Abram, you really screwed up, and I'm going to punish Ishmael for it, right? He says yes. That's all he says. He listens to Abram's heart and says, says yes, I will take care of Ishmael because he's your offspring, because it was your fault, Abraham. I'll take care of him and make him his own nation and he will go in his way and, and he will be a nomad is what it actually says. He'll be a man without a country, kind of. Because Isaac was the son of the promise. The promise that we have talked about all this time, that we are a part of because God promised it to Abram through Isaac, clear to Jesus. That promise is for us. That grace and mercy would be given to us and that's where we can stand confidently to enter into the presence of of the Creator of our world. And that's all we need. Your resume won't matter. You're not going to get in based on who you know. Jesus is it. That's the one credential that allows you to have grace and mercy. And that's what Paul needed for them to understand. Both the Gentile Christians who were here who understood idolatry. And, and, and let's be honest, it'd be really nice if you could come here on a Sunday morning and I could read chapter and verse every week and say, this is what God tells us to do this week, right? It'd be simpler. But would we really have a relationship with God? Or would we be just walking through the motions, completing assignments, right? Right? It'd be like English class all over again. And I hated English. I didn't want to just be told what to read and how to answer and what to think about all of the allegorical contexts. I wanted to read what I wanted to read. I wanted to explore the worlds I wanted to explore. And God gives us that freedom through grace and mercy. He gives us each one of us, our own purpose and destiny, and says, go unlock the world that I have created for you. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to tell you who to be. You're a child of God. That's what's important. Understanding that when you rise and when you take your nap and when you lay down at night, you're a child of God. That's what makes a difference. To kind of finish the story, just so you can understand, the story in Genesis chapter 21, verses 8 through 13. Chapter 21, verses 8 through 13. Isaac, the child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abram told, held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham was mocking. 
And she said to Abram, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. And the matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, Don't be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. God reiterates, listen, I'm going to take care of him. Don't let the situation stress you out. But remember again, your family will be reckoned the lives and the future of this world ride on Isaac. The future is him. I'll take care of Ishmael, but remember that Isaac is the one that was the child of the promise that I made to you. It's another part of the promise as well is that that judgment will come, right? He says that your offspring will be reckoned. There's going to be a point in time when there'll be a reckoning. A judgment. All of us will face that. The beauty is that God says, because of Isaac and the line that He offers to us through Jesus, that reckoning will come by way of Jesus' blood. Grace and mercy will be given to your offspring. Those who claim the name of Jesus. That your offspring will be reckoned by my plan. Grace will be given to a barren world that could not earn or manufacture it. Just like Sarah. There was a child of promise to Abram and Sarah. Grace was going to be given to the barren woman, right? And that story fulfills itself in a barren world that cannot reproduce grace. We cannot manufacture it. God did it for us. We received grace to a barren world, something we could not possibly do or even think of. Because we want an accounting, right? We want to be able to say, but Lord, I'm better than that guy. We want to be able to handle it ourselves and grace doesn't work that way and it frustrates us and and we don't understand it. Because it was given to you as a gift, as part of the promise from the beginning of time. Because it's from God's hand, it's not of ours. It was given to us because we couldn't manufacture it or earn it. And so as Paul ends his talk, now going back to Galatians chapter 4, as you understand, he started telling them, if you want to be under the law, don't you remember what the law says, right? And then he tells them again what the law says. 
in Galatians 4, Now you brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. That means something now, doesn't it? When you put it in the context of understanding the promise of God to Abram and how he misunderstood it even and how daily we struggle to misunderstand it, we are children of the promise and we've got to wait on what God is doing. We've got to trust that what He has for us is better than what we could do. And at the same time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the Son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what do the Scriptures say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance of the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. He's going back and saying, now we understand contextually, we're not bound to man-made Ways of figuring things out. You're not a slave to the world that you live in to make it work and and figure it out, earn it, manufacture it. That's what he's saying to them in context because they understood the difference between Hagar, Ishmael, Abram, and Isaac. He's saying you are children of promise. Not of slavery, not of, not of trying to earn it forever, over and over every day, figuring out how to keep it. You've been given a promise and a gift. Treasure it. Enjoy it. Be thankful for it. Respond as if you really understand the gift that you've been given. Don't attempt to apply man's limitations to God's promises. Don't attempt to put your mind around the mind of God. (laughs) Allow God's mind to affect your thought process. Don't attempt to apply man's limitations to God's promise. Grace should be seen as a gift. Treasured, shared, not earned and maintained. (laughs) Live in the freedom of knowing that God is in control and that He cares deeply for you. We're going to talk about what it means to live in Christian freedom over the next couple of weeks because Paul is going to address that. But if we don't understand that we're children of promise, we never understand the freedom that comes from that because we enslave ourselves to rules and systems of earning and manufacturing and we live in this this way of, of going to work as a Christian every day. And we never get to the point where we understand that we've been given so much grace that all we have to do is give it away. Out of the overflow of the grace that God has given to me, I live my life to pour it out to others. That's what it means to be a child of promise. Not to be a slave to a religious activity. Live in freedom knowing that God is in control and that He cares for you deeply. If you could encapsulate that for a day, you would see a difference. (laughs) To live in the freedom that God has given to you as a child of promise, 
to know every moment that He cares deeply for you. To understand it. To allow it to affect how you see others. It truly is freedom. Father, thank You for Your Word. Lord, thank You for the Apostle Paul and how he brings things together for us as we figure out Your Word. As we weave together all of the traditions and the promises that You made in times past and and allow us to see how they affect our future. Lord, I pray that most we would live today by grace. That we would learn what it means to be gracious, merciful, as You have been to us. Lord, thank You as we have an opportunity to to share a meal together even and to enjoy time. I pray that You would allow us to practice it. That our conversation would be full of grace and seasoned with salt. (laughs) That we would speak of You and all the things that, that You have done. That we can embrace the life that You've given us as children of promise. Father, thank You for that. In Jesus' name. Amen.